Hello, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Everybody feeling nice and cozy, feeling ready to go. Don't fall asleep because uh, we got a good, good passage ahead today I'm excited to dive into. Uh, we've been talking a little bit um, over the past several, several weeks about the kingdom of God. And then we kind of wrapped that up and now we're moving into more of a discussion about kind of really breaking down Holy Week, which typically we really only give one week to out of our, our, our yearly Christian calendar. Uh, it's the week preceding Easter. But uh, we're going to be doing our best over the next couple weeks before Easter to really dive into some things that Jesus says and does during his last week on earth. Uh, why? Because we believe it's really important, right? We believe that what Jesus said and did was very important and, and has a lot of application for you uh, in your life. And so or last week, Bradley talked about Jesus flipping the tables and about, uh, you know, creating the whip and driving out the, the money changers. And uh, it was a fantastic message, fantastic message. I would really encourage you to go back and look at it. And uh, with that being said, today I want to break down, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll be in Mark chapter 12. You've probably heard the scripture that we're going to be talking about this morning in one way or another. You've maybe heard it put on a t-shirt before in a very short slogan, you know, love God, love people. Um, you might have heard it, you know, preached on at length a little bit more in a church service. And, uh, you know, today I want to I really want to break this down um, just, uh, and just talk about why this is really important in our walk and, and all sorts of different things. So with that being said, let's pray and then let's get into it. Father, I thank you so much uh, just for the time we've had together so far. God, I know your spirit uh, is, is already here, God. And it's been mentioned several times about, you know, how uh, people are sick and they couldn't make it here. But Lord, you're here. And that's what matters, God. You're here. Uh, Lord, so I pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, God, to your truth, to your word, Lord, and draw us near and dear to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, with a raise of hands, how many of you, and this is, there is no shame in this whatsoever, how many of you would consider the Bible to be confusing or you view it as a hard book to read, a hard book to understand? Raise your hands. Okay, now you can take solace that you're not the only one, right? How many of us think that, how, how many of us sometimes just think that we're the only ones that feel that way? You're not. No, I mean, I mean honestly, uh, Pastor Bradley's been pastoring at this church for how many years now? If you include. Since 06, so that's what, uh, um, 16 years, right? And have you figured it out? No, no, right? So, so, you're, so if, if you raise your hand, don't feel bad whatsoever. If you didn't raise your hand, well, maybe, you're just, maybe you should be up here. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, you know, the Bible, there's a lot of confusing things about it. There's a lot, there's a lot of pages. There's a lot of chapters. And, and if you were to read it all, you know, there's a lot to break down. There's a lot to take in. And, and it's, it really is, you know, it's, it's the Word of God, right? And it's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, right? And there's a lot of uh, confusion with it. There's many different commandments, right? If you went in the Old Testament, you would find 660 plus commandments in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, you would find all different kinds of rules and regulations, all different things, right? And there's so many different rules. I think sometimes people can, can uh, have paralysis by analysis. You ever heard that phrase where you're ever, you ever like, go to like buy a new car or you buy a new something and you're trying to compare all your options and by the end of it you're just pulling your hair out. You're like, I'm just not going to do anything anymore, right? And I think sometimes that's how we treat the Bible is we, we look at it and we're like, oh, it's so big, it's so crazy, it's so large, you know, that I'm just, I'm just not going to, you know, do anything with it, right? I'm just going to throw it all out and just kind of just listen to whatever, right? And 
With that being said, that's not the way that we should approach our Christian walk. And, and in the passage that we're going to be in today, Jesus, after he flips over the tables, he kind of goes through this, um, this kind of time period of questioning. Like, as he's walking throughout, the, all these religious leaders start asking him all these different questions and whatnot, because the same kind of questions that we have about faith and life and, and what would have been the Old Testament back then, but their Bible... They had all sorts of the kinds of questions for Jesus. And so Jesus is getting peppered with all of these different questions about uh, what does this mean? What does that mean, right? He ask, they ask him about taxes. They ask him about um, basically, you know, what do we do with all these different kinds of things? And it's because really, at the end of the day, they were mad about what Bradley preached about last week, which is basically that Jesus went into the temple and started flipping all these tables. So they were mad and they were start trying to get Jesus to say something that would indict him that would make him guilty so they could kill him, essentially, <laughs> right? And this is where we start to see all these things happening. And in the middle of all of this questioning, there comes another guy that comes along, and he asks Jesus uh, this. He says, oh, let me just read uh, verse 28. One of the most important teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of the commandments, which is the most important? Which is the most important, Jesus, of this whole Bible? You know, what's the most important thing, Jesus? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord, uh, our God, is one and only Lord. You must, war you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equal equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read the rest of it here real quick. The teachers of religious law replied, well, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying there is only one God and no other. I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding, all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices in the law. Realizing how much the man understood Jesus, uh, what Jesus said to him, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus had a little mic drop there. So with that being said, you know, we can have all of this complexity about the whole Bible, but, uh, you know, there's a character in the story here that does the, does the good work for us. He comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what's the most important thing, right? How many of you wish you could ask Jesus that? Jesus, what's the most important thing? Give me the 30-second version of it. Whenever I was in high school, I never used to read any of the books, any of the assignments. All the teachers in here are probably like, you know, you're what's wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I never used to read any of the assignments. There was a website called SparkNotes. And you could go on sparknotes.com and you could... <laughs> uh, Elizabeth's giving me the, the, the shame fingers. But... Uh, I would go on there, and if it was like uh, Romeo and Juliet, I, I wouldn't read Romeo and Juliet. I would just read what the su summary of it was, and then I would walk in class, like knowing everything you know about it, without ever actually having to read it. You know, that's essentially what this guy was doing with Jesus. All right, Jesus, give me the what's give me the the thirty second version. What's the most important commandment here? What's what do I need to know? And I think sometimes in our life, you know, we don't we don't go at it from the hey, I'm just trying to cheat the system type way, but we really do have a lot going on in our lives, and we just want God to speak to us and tell us, God, what's the most important thing for my life right now, right? How many of you wish God could just speak to you right now and tell you, hey, this is what the next step is, right? That, that would be fantastic. That would be a really, really great thing for a lot of people, right? That's where wisdom and discernment comes in. Well, Jesus uh, tells this guy, he says, you know, the most important commandment is this, is to love God and to love people. 
Don't you wish you would have left off the last part right there, just to love God? He just said, just to love God. The thing about all this is, is that with, I'm going to break this down. Let's break down love God first, So, because it's the first one. So, so Jesus says the most important thing, and this is the, he, he names it first, so you could say it, it, it is the most important thing, is to love God. We live in a culture now that is, is um, forgotten God, right? I saw a shirt the other day, and it, said, it had a phrase on it. It said, blessed are those who have not forgotten God. And I, thought, I read it, and I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty cool shirt. Because the culture that we live in nowadays has really separated ourselves in a lot of ways from God. From the way, in the ways that we live in everyday life, to the ways that we interact to one another, the policies that our governments hold, the kind of um, you know, activities our culture partakes in. We live in a world where we really, in a lot of ways, have rejected God. Yeah? We live in a world where there's a lot of things that are not godly. There's a, there's a lot of things that are not God's ways. And, and there's a lot of people in this world that do not know God. There was a, a very, very powerful um, statistic um, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't write it down here, but it was talking about how um, in this day and age that um, with, with people my age in the 18 to 30 range, um, that one out of only eight, or w- only one out of eight people have ever even been to a church that are my age. Take that in. That's less than 20%. That's less than, that's like 16% right there, right? That's terrible. No, math, what is it? 12 and a half percent math major, math major back there shaking his head. Anyways, but uh, with that being said, that's terrible. That's even worse, even worse than the percentages I was giving out, right? Uh, so the point I'm making is that we live in a culture that has forgotten God in a lot of ways, a culture that has, has, has pushed away from God. But what Jesus says here, the reason this is the most important commandment is because we were made to be in a relationship with God, Amen. I would assume that's why you're here this morning. It's because you want to have a relationship with God. You want to be in relationship with God. And I believe that humanity, that we are at our best whenever we are in relationship with God, whenever we are communing with God. This is why in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, that he would walk with them, that he would talk with them, that he would interact with them, because that is how we were created to be, was to be in relationship with God. And how many of you know a relationship with God is the best way to live? Amen? You know, people, you know, people in your life, they might turn their back on you. They might backstab you. They might talk about, bad about you. Uh, you know, somebody might slander you. Somebody might gossip you know, behind your back. Somebody might betray you. Right? But how many of you know that God never leaves us or forsakes us? Amen? That it doesn't matter what happens with the people in our life. It doesn't matter what circumstances we face in our relationships in our life, whether it's our friendships, our coworkers, our marriage. It does not matter because we have a God who never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And that is the single most important relationship in your life. So let me say that first and foremost. That's why Jesus brings it up first. You've got to love God first because how many of you know that you can't have a good marriage unless your relationship with God is right? Amen? I didn't hear too many amens out there. How many of you know that you can't have a good marriage until your relationship with God is right? How many of you know that you can't have a good friendship until your relationship with God is right? You can't treat your friends right until you, have, until you know God. How many of you know that you can't be a, a, a great co-worker until you know God, right? How many of you know that you can't be a great family member, brother, sister, 
uncle, cousin, whatever it is. How many, how many of you know you can't love people around you until you love God, right? We have a lot of relationships in our life that are very, very important to us. Friendships, family, marriages, children. How many of you know you can't be, I don't, I don't know this yet. I haven't experienced this reality yet, but I know from the word of God and I know from uh, good people around me that you can't be a great parent until you put God first, right? You can't raise your children right until you put God first. And so the point I'm making with all this is that we have very important relationships in our life that we hold dear. We'll talk about loving people in a second, but we can't even get to loving people until we love God correctly, right? And let's just address the elephant in the room. There's so many things in our life that we love more than God, myself included. Both my hands are up, right? It's called sin. It's called idolatry. There's things in our life that we put ahead of God, that we, that we partake in, things that we put, uh, that we love more than God. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's, it's everybody in this room or that we have like some sort of you know, great big idolatry going on that I'm just about to expose everybody this morning or anything like that, right? I think it's little things throughout our life that come in that take more of our time, energy, and love uh, than, than, than God, right? It's, it's the love of money, right? Or it's, it's the love of addictions, substances. It's, it's the love of hobbies. It's the love of another person, a human being that we put, uh, we elevate them to a place higher than God, right? Loving somebody else more than we do love God, right? All of these different things, and the Bible talks about idolatry over and over again. And, and I really want to kind of break down this morning what Jesus talks about here, because maybe if we talk about how we can love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we could identify the things that we're placing above him, right? Uh, so with that being said, let's just dive right into it. Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different here this morning. Typically, when in these sermons, it's just one person talking and everybody listening. But seriously, uh, not Pastor Bradley, because he's, he's obviously, he would have something to say. But uh, what do you guys think it means to love God with your heart? Just a raise of hand, somebody out there. What do you think it means to love God with your heart? Family. Okay, yeah, yeah. To love, to love God with your heart is to, to love your family. That's good. That's good. What else? What, is it, what do you think it means to love God with your heart? To love God with your heart. There's no wrong answers. There's no wrong answers. With your passion. With your passion. That's good. That's good. Your desires. Maybe with your desires, your passions. That's good. That's good. What else? Your commitment. Your commitment. That's really good. I like that. I saw another one. Yeah. Seeking his will. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah. Honor him in all you do. Good. Good. Anybody else? Your actions. Good. I like that. So obviously we know that the heart is, is obviously symbolic, right? It's not just a thing that pumps blood throughout your body. But what Jesus is saying here is to love God with our affections, with our passions, with our desires, with our will. I heard, I heard doing his will, right? With our will. With our emotions, right? I've heard actions, right? So, so I want to break down all of these things. At the, at the heart of it, at the essence of it, ask yourself, in my life, do I love God with, with, with all of my affections? Are there things in my life that I enjoy more than being in His presence? Are there things in my life that I enjoy more than, than being in relationship with Him? Another way to put it would be, what are the desires of my heart? Because right, Jesus said, where your treasures be, there your heart will be also, right? Where your treasures 
are, there your heart will be also. So wherever, whatever things in life that you treasure the most, right? I, I find myself in a way, I, I check myself with this as I think to myself, what kind of music am I listening to? What kind of people am I hanging out with? What kind of actions am I partaking in, right? Those three things right there will kind of tell you where your treasures are at because those really, our actions kind of speak louder than our words, right? Those will tell you where your heart is at. And even more so than that, just your day-to-day thoughts. What, What are you thinking about the most, right? What are your passions? What are your desires? Is the Lord one of your passions, one of your heart's desires? Do you wake up in the morning and think about God? Like, that's a real question. That's a real question to ask yourself. When you wake up in the morning, do you think about God? Do you think about what God's will is for you this day? God, do you pray when you wake up is the first thing that you do to pray to God, to to seek His will first, right? And I know this is getting really into the nitty-gritty, but I want to make this very, very practical for us. Because I think that a lot of times in sermons, we can have a, a cool idea makes us feel good, but we don't ever have any application out there, right? So we got to ask ourselves, hey, on a daily basis, are my affections, desires, and my will centered towards God or centered towards the world? That's a good question. Let me say that again. Are our affections, desires, and our will centered towards God or centered towards the world, right? Because we can live by culture, we can live by Scripture, but we can't do both, right? We've got we've to set our mind, we've got to set, set our heart on, on these things. I love in the Bible whenever it says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Because how many of you know that Christianity is not just a Sunday religion, right? It's every single day. It's a choice every single day of who will I serve, right? So where are your affections? Where are your desires? Where is your will on a day-to-day basis, your emotions, your affections, do you think about God? Do you, do you set your affections towards God? Do you pray to God? And that is where your heart is, right? Once again, Jesus said, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. What do you desire most in this world? Is it to do the will of God or to do the will of man, right? That's a question between you and the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to let God work on your, your heart, no pun intended, as we are you know, talking through these things, right? With that being said, let's move on to the next one, to love God with your soul. Now, this one, this one is uh, a, little bit, a little bit tricky because it's, it's, it's basically the same thing in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm not going to ask you know, questions out, out to, to you guys on exactly what it is. But really, the, the word here um, that Jesus would have been using would have been, um, well, in the Greek anyways, it's, it's pneuma which is the same word that we use for uh, the prefix for pneumonia. Um, it's the same word in the Greek for breath or wind. Um, and so the really how I like to phrase this whenever I'm teaching out of this section here is that God, how many of you know that in Genesis that, that humans were just uh, clay, just dirt, until God breathed his breath into us, right? So in every single human being that lives, the breath of God is in you, amen? That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to, to think about, that in every single human being, the breath of God lives in you. And so to love God with your soul is to recognize that your life comes from God and God alone, and that you are going to give that life back to him. That, that you recognize where you come from and where you're going, 
And as a result, you live your life for him. That it's this, it's this reciprocal type thing. That, yeah, we love him with our heart, but we realize that our whole being, not just our affections and emotions and desires, but every single part of us, our soul, our spiritual being on the inside comes from God. As a result, we're going to give that back to him, that we're going to serve him with our life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? The soul, uh, pneuma is the, is the word in Greek, and you can look it up. It's a very, in fact, I would, I would recommend, here's a reference for you guys, the Bible Project. It's on YouTube. These guys, they just break things down so great, and they have a, they have a section on this passage. I would really recommend that you look up, and they, they break it down very, very good. With that being said, let's move on to the next one, to love God with our mind, with our mind. Uh, what do you guys think that means, to love God with your mind? Let's hear it. Thoughts and time. I was going to say thoughts and um, just constantly dwelling on him. Mm, dwelling, I like that word. It's good. Anybody else? Always thinking about God. Good, good. I like that. I like that. Anybody else? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Kind of rebuking the enemy. That's good. That's really good. I like that. I like that. So there's a lot of things when it comes to loving God with our mind. I think one New Testament scripture I think of, and this is going to be something if, you're, if you are taking notes you could write down, is uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, to take captive every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. How many of us know that we have many thoughts that are not Christ-like? How many of us know that we think, he's got both hands up, how many of you know that we've got thoughts on a daily basis that come in and out, that the war, the war in our life is really fought between the ears, and this is where the devil really tries to live, he tries to live in here. And there's a lot of times in our life where we have things that come in and out of our mind, our thoughts, and I think that sometimes in our culture, um, because, actually I don't really know where this comes from, but there's just this thought process that we are the way we are and we can't change who we are. We can't change our thoughts. We can't change anything that goes into our mind. Just whatever happens, happens, and we have to live with that. And I think that's, that's not a biblical idea at all. The Bible talks very clearly about how sin, how sinful thoughts, how, how the things the enemy is trying to do is something that is happening to you, but you do not have to surrender to that. You have, uh, the, you have the Word of God, lowercase w, but you have the capital W Word of God, Jesus. You have His Spirit living in you, so you don't have to surrender to those things. So when we have sinful thoughts in our life, whenever we have things that come into our mind, whether it's a, a lustful thought, a greed, thought, a hateful thought, a, um, you know, a kind of mischievous thought, you know, you're thinking about ways that you can, you know, backstab somebody else, or maybe those are really the kind of the big ones, but a really angry thought, you just want to, you know, kill somebody or just go off on somebody, right, show them who's boss, all of those things come into our life, but what's the Bible say, once again, to take captive every, every thought, to take captive, that's not a, that's not a, that's not like, 
oh, come over here, you know. No, it's, it's take captive. You're grabbing that thing by the neck, you're tying it up, and you're getting it out of there, right? Take captive every thought. Why? Because how many of you know that the Word of God is powerful? The Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? So we don't have to fall down. The Bible also talks about how we are covered with the armor of God, right? That we, we don't have to just any, any time that sin comes into our life, we don't just have to fall over like, oh, well, woe is me, right? Like, you know, no. We have power. We have power because, because we believe in a risen Savior. Amen. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you and I. And so we don't have to fall over whenever sin comes into our life, whenever sinful thoughts come around. But we can take those things captive and now we can make them obedient to Christ. We can begin to live in his ways and walk in his ways. What are some of the sinful thoughts that we may have? I've already gone over it a little bit, but I think I just want to go over the ones that are just really really just, you know, very prevalent in our mind. And I said sinful, and I, don't, I want you, uh, one of the things I'm going to say doesn't really seem like sin. It's not something that we actively partake in, but it is, it is a work of the enemy. It's fear, right? How many of you know that fear plays a big part in our thought process, but how many of you know it's not from God? The Bible says the, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind. What about that, right? That in any moment where you have fear in your heart, whenever you have fear, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling anxiety, right? You're feeling those things inside. There's a reason for that, right? And typically, typically, it's because there's a lack of trust. In every moment where I've ever been anxious, where I've ever been worried about an outcome, I've ever been worried about something in my life, true anxiety, it's because I didn't trust that God had my back on the other side no matter what would happen. Because I didn't trust. I didn't trust, right? So what do we do when we have that thought of fear that comes into our mind? We take it captive, right? We recognize that I'm afraid right now. Why am I afraid? What's going on, right? And then we take that and we pray. We pray, we vocalize that. God, I'm afraid right now. God, I'm worried right now. God, I'm anxious right now. God, I don't know what to do right now. God, help me. Jesus, help me, right? But when we take it to him, how many of you know whenever you pray your problems away, you feel better, right? But whenever you worry, when you keep it in here, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do us any good to keep it inside. It doesn't do us any good to keep, keep in here, right? So we've got to take captive our thoughts. Whenever we're feeling uh, vengeful or angry at somebody, right, you have to recognize that thought. You have to recognize, I'm not acting Christ-like right now. I'm not thinking Christ-like right now. I'm not in a Christ-like manner right now, right? And once again, what's the pattern here? Recognize the thought. And pray. How many of you know you can be honest with God? God, I'm really upset at this person right now. God, I'm ticked off right now at this person. God, this person did me wrong. This person has not been good to me. This person is, is being a complete you know, jerk, right? And insert whatever right there, however you feel, right? Uh, this between you and God. But the point I'm making is this, is that you can be honest with God about how you feel because it does no good to keep it inside because that's where the enemy begins to fester, begins to grow. We begin to rationalize why this is a good thing to act out in this way, right? Rather than taking it immediately to God, submitting it to Christ, and then what happens is the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit always does. He begins to work on us. He begins to, to shape us, begins to mold us, begins to help our heart to become more and more Christ-like. Because at the end of the day, the role of the Holy Spirit is to make you and I more Christ-like. 
That's the role of the Holy Spirit, right? And that's why we pray, as we ask God to strengthen us and to draw us closer so that we can be more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Not quite done with the mind yet, though. One thing Crystal said was dwelling, dwelling on God, dwelling on the things of God. And this is something, circling back around the very beginning of the sermon, I said that, I asked how many of you think that the Bible is, is confusing? And it is. It's obviously a very complex book, and, and, and the teachings of God uh, take a lot you know, to, really, to really dive into. But I think it's really important that we don't view that complexity and confusion as a challenge or, or, or a, a limitation, but rather we view it as a journey, as an invitation to come and to learn the mysteries of God, right? So the, the, the one thing I want to say on mind as far as, you know, dwelling is concerned, dwelling on the things of God, what does the Bible say? To study to show yourself approved unto God, right? Study, study the Word, get into the Word. And maybe you're not a reader, maybe you're not a person who likes to read, maybe you're not a person who likes to, to really, you're not a bookworm, right? You're not, you're not a nerd or anything like that, like me, right? Maybe you're the kind of person who likes to listen to things, Maybe you're the type of person that likes to listen to uh, talk shows, right? You can, find a, you can find podcasts, you can find audio books, the audio Bible, right? There's all sorts of different ways, especially with the way that we have media nowadays, uh, YouTube, right? That you can, can, you can consume Christian content and that you can begin to, to, to dwell more in the things of God, right? And Jesus even talks about this, Bradley, Bradley brought this scripture up in his sermon a couple weeks ago, but that the eye is the lamp of the body, Right? What, what does that mean? It means that, that the eyes illuminate the rest of the body. Right? So whatever comes into the eyes will, will enliven the rest of the body. Well, if we're taking in garbage, garbaggio, if, if everything that comes into our life is about, um, I don't know, uh, what are the things in our culture? Money, sex, fame, drugs, rock and roll. I'm just kidding. I'm rock and roll. Uh, you know, um, I just had to get you guys laughing. Um, all the different things, right? All the, all the selfishness and clout and fame and, you know, like, just like, like I don't know why, why does, does anybody even watch like E.T., like that, like, um, not, not, not the movie, for, uh, that's not bad. No, the Entertainment Tonight channel where they, all they do is talk about like, celebrities and their lives. Like, that's just garbage. We're to be focused on the things of God, not the things of this world, right? And so whenever you take in the things of this world, uh, it, it affects us. How many of you know that if you listened to, um, you know, like, I don't know, take any crazy secular music, if you listen to that for one week versus listening to the gospel music for one week, how many of you know you would act differently, right? Because it's what comes in Right? It's what comes in. The eyes are the lamp of the body, right? And so we have to be dwelling on the things of God, listening to the things of God, listening to the music of God, listening uh, to the word of God, right? It, it's, just, it's just what comes in goes out, right? And it, it really does affect you and your Christian walk. And so we take captive our thoughts and make them obedient unto Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So maybe, just time out here real quick, maybe as we've been talking here, Maybe you can begin to see things in your life that, are, that you're placing in place of God, right? Things in your life that become, have become idols, things in your life that have become a little bit more important to you than God. I don't know. But I think for me, as we're walking through this, even I'm beginning to see some things that I can change in my life to become closer to God, to love God more. Okay, lastly, to love God with your strength. Love God with your strengths. What do you think that means? 
with their deeds. Good. Everything that you have. Good. Good. Gifts of the Spirit, even. Gifts of the Spirit. That's good. It's really good. I like that. Anybody else? Walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Good. Anybody else? Okay, the Lord in his heart. Good, good, good. So, what does it mean to love the Lord with your strengths? It means to love the Lord with your strengths. I heard deeds. I like that a lot. I think that we have this idea in church that the only people that can contribute anything are the people who stand on the stage. But that is far, far from, far from the truth. Everybody in the kingdom of God has a talent, has an ability, has things that they can contribute. And everybody in the kingdom of God, everybody in the church has talents, they have skills, they have things that they can contribute, uh, gifts they can contribute that will lead into good deeds, right? We have things that we can do, that we can uh, partake on and act on, right? So to love God with your strength, uh, quite literally means to use, I believe, to use your body, right? To use your body to do things for other people. Um, I think that we... Uh, really show our love for God by what we do in service to others. Jesus said that the greatest among you will be the king. No, the greatest among you will be a servant. The greatest, the head honcho, the alpha, the, the number one among you will be the servant. We get it twisted, right? We think that the number one is El Presidente. It's, 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 the, it's the guy sitting in the chair in the White House, right? We think it's, the, it's the, the people in Congress, right? Maybe we don't think that because I know some of you. But anyways, um, <laughs> but with that being said, typically we think of people in power as the ones who are the most important. But no, the greatest among you will be a what? A servant, right? So to love God with your strengths is simply to live in a way where you live in service to others. It's to, to utilize what God has given you, your strengths, your abilities, your talents, your, your, your brain, your, your gifts, in service to others, in service to the kingdom of God, in service to the church. Those are things that God wants us to do and to serve other people, right? To live and to serve God with our strength, which is really, really, really important. Uh, as, as we live and operate in the kingdom of God, because at the end of the day, not uh, the only important people in, in the church are not the people who stand on the stage. In fact, it, probably, it's been said that, that people who stand on the stage are the least important, are the least important. I heard it said like this, um, you know, the, the big toe on the foot, okay, is the most important toe for balance. I don't know if you knew that. It's the most important toe in the body for balance. So if you, if you have a big, big toe, you're a very balanced person. Um, so it's, the big toe is, is meant for balance. But, but unless, it's, unless you're out on the beach, nobody sees the big toe, right? And some of you need to hide, hide your big toe. But uh, <laughs> just make sure you all are awake. Um, the, big, the big toe is hidden 
but it's very important, right? How many of you know if, you, if I cut off your big toe right now, you have a really hard time walking. You would not be very balanced, right? I think a lot of times in church, uh, we think that the, that the parts of the body, so to speak, that are the most vocal and most uh, seen are the most important, right? But how many of you know that the parts of your body that are the most seen can sometimes get you in the most trouble, right? <laughs> They're not always the best, right? Always, not always the most important, right? Would you rather live without your arms or without your legs? I mean, I'd, pro- I'd probably live without my arms because, you know, I like, I like my legs, right? They're very important. Right? And I think a lot of times in our lives with our Christian walk and how we operate in the church, we just think that because we're not on the stage, that we're not important. And that could be no further from the truth. Right, No further from the truth. There's individuals every week that are not seen up here that help out with the trash or they help out with the parking or they help out with the children's church right? or they help out with the nursery right? or they help out... By, with, the, with the sound. They help out with uh, all these different kinds of things, right? They help out with rearranging chairs or, or greeting people at the door, right? There's all sorts of different things. They help at the food kitchen, which isn't even a Sunday thing, but probably one of the most important things our church does, right? There's many things that we can do, and, living, and serving God with our strengths is, 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 is living in service uh, to, to God and to others. Amen? Amen. How am I doing on time? I don't have any clock or anything like that. We good? Okay. doesn't matter because I'm going anyways. Okay. Lastly, love people. Love people. Jesus says the second, this second commandment is equally important. Equally important. Equally important. Okay? So if Jesus says you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we just spent 30 minutes talking about what that means, right? that it's equally important that we love each other, right? And not just love John half-heartedly, no. The Bible says, uh, Paul says, to let your love be genuine. Let your love be genuine, right? And Jesus says in this passage here, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? If you don't love yourself very much, then, well, I don't know about that, but... Uh, that's another sermon for another day. But the point being, I think every single one of us in here have some level of self-respect, Right? And we, we know how we want to be treated. We know how we would like to live and the things that we would like to see happen in our lives done to us. Right, So what do we do? We do those things in reaction to other people. Right, So Jesus said this second commandment is equally important, Right, but I do think that the order that he brings them up in is very important. Right, Bradley and I have talked ad nauseum about what it means to love your neighbor. I think that if we could hang anything, hang any hat, you know, here at this church and say, we've checked a box. We talk you know, a lot about loving your neighbor, about loving each other, about living a Christ-like life in relationship to other people, right? So if you haven't got that down yet, I don't know about you, right? We might just have to uh, put you in summer school or something like that, right? But uh, th- the point I'm making is that Jesus puts this in an order, and this is really what I, where I want to take this as we end here today. Jesus takes this in an order, and you might find it difficult to love people. How many of you have people in your, fi- in your life you find it difficult to love? I do. There's people in your life you find it difficult to get along with them. You find it difficult to even look at them. You're like, you're like man, I just want to, uh, you know, right? We have all sorts of people in our life that's difficult to have interactions with. I just want to submit an idea to you this morning. Maybe it's difficult for us to interact with those people because we have not yet been perfected and our love by God. We have not, our love has not yet been perfected by God. Right? So then where do, we go? where do we go to be perfected in our love? 
we go right back to the source. We seek God more, right? We seek God more. We seek Him more. And as we, how many of you know that you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most? Right? It's, there's been studies done on that, that the people you hang around with, it's been said uh, that if you want to uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? So we know that if we get around certain people, we begin to be like them, right? Well, if we want to be like God, and how many of us know that God loves all people, yeah? There's not a person in your life that God hates. There's not a person in your life that God's hate, God hates, so you don't get to hate him either. But if you do hate him, there's a reason for that. And so we need to get with our Father. We need to get in touch with God. We need to be in, in communion with God because then as we get in touch with God, we get in a bigger relationship with God, a deeper relationship with God, then we become more like Him. We become more like Him. The language that Jesus uses for this is He, he says to become perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, right? Not saying that our actions will always be perfect, but that our love towards others is perfected. Right? That we become perfected in our love for other people. Right? We've got to love people. Man, if there's anything, and I know this is Pastor Bradley's heart, if there's anything I, I want this church to be marked by is our love for people. Is our love for people. Whenever people walk into this church, they know we love God. They see us raising our hands. They see us getting rowdy. They see us with the loud music and the, just the way that we worship God and stuff. So they see that. People can see that you love God by those actions but they'll really see that you love God by your actions towards them, right? And I want our church to be marked as a church that loves people, that we love people, that no matter who walks in that door, that we will love them, that we will uh, bring them along. Perhaps your brother uh, preached about it last week, right? That the people in Jerusalem, they were lifting who could come into the house of God. And he brought up about how if there was even a a murderer that walked in here, an ex-murderer that walked in here, we maybe wouldn't have put them in charge of the nursery, right? But we would love them, and we would lead them to Jesus. Amen? We would lead them to Jesus. And so, as we are journeying to the cross, as we're journeying to Easter, Jesus, he comes in the middle of this, of this time in Holy Week, and he just says, you know what? This is the most important thing. To love God with everything you have, with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, to love people around you, to love the world around you, right? To love them, to love a lost and dying world and to bring the kingdom of God into heaven. Imagine if everyone lived in this way. Just imagine, right? It's heaven on earth, right? And that's what we're doing, right? We're bringing this message to a lost and dying world and leading them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much uh, for this time.